0: To bring you our feature presentation. How is it going everybody and welcome to the Parish Pump Podcast. Councillor Dermot Daisy O'Brien back here with you again. A provocative title for the podcast this week, Is It Ever Okay to Hate? It's something that, well, it's something that sits in my mind often because as someone who teaches social justice principles uh, someone who has grown up and worked within the youth sector, youth and community, um, and someone who in recent times has joined the political world. This uh, concept of hate comes up a lot but I was kind of triggered to really delve into it and explore it after an event I was at on Saturday um, in Tullamore where I spent the day with a group of young travellers who were gathering to explore um mental health and they're part of it a uh, youth forum organized by the ITM um and as you can imagine or anyone who does spend any time in the youth and community sector um this word would come up a lot in the lives of young travelers um so it on the way home then i i found myself so at the event i was wearing my counselor hat for some of it and doing round table discussions and exploring um on what level young travellers have a connection with their local authority or in terms of the elected reps and i wondered did anyone know their elected reps given that they were from different areas around the country and there was very very little recognition they knew some of the tds fair enough um but there wasn't uh, any healthy connection between elected reps and young travellers um and that's something yeah that i would lay at the door of elected reps obviously um but hopefully after the event uh, after my strong encouragement maybe some of the guys will attempt to pull politicians into their world or go and bang down the door of their local elected reps and make sure that they are aware of some of the issues that are playing out um, in the communities that are causing harm in particular to the members of the traveling community um, but it's so you know after the day i was on my way home and i you know this were this concept uh was sitting in my mind and it maybe i was doing a lot of wondering because yes we would see it in in the in the twitter battles and obviously we're in the midst of a political campaign at the moment for a general election in Ireland and on a global level i'm sure the word hate is used um on the daily uh, you know relating especially to certain uh, major political figures on on the planet at the moment who are holding Um, major sources of power um, big red buttons uh, at their disposal Um, so yeah it's something that comes out but it's also something that I think is more prevalent now and more visible and it's something that I actually think that if we don't really name it as an issue then I think it has a potential to cause more harm than it has uh, up to now or it's something that will creep in uh, well, it's already creeping in. I, you know, I'm not. Uh, I, you know, it would be wrong of me to say that it's cr- going to creep in. It's in. Um, it has been in, but it's in and it's rising. and And data tells us that. Um, and there are some challenges there. But what I want to look at is, um, what is it? What is this thing we we call hate? Um, and maybe to look at how it is present in our lives. And in my lived experience is what I'll talk about and what I see around me from from all the hats that I wear in my life um, and ultimately what do we need to do about it and that's about our responsibility as citizens but also maybe some of us who have particular roles whether that be in local democracy or in youth services or community or in education um, and I really want to kind of look at it as a whole package issue um, and you know when I was there on Saturday meeting the group, uh, one of the things, I had a few slides, I was explaining some stuff in the afternoon to them about some of the work that I do, um, and I showed them an Audrey Lorde slide, um, which is a quote, one of my favourite quotes from a phenomenal author, um, and it says, it's not our differences that divide us, it's our inability to recognise, accept and celebrate those differences. And for me, that's a very profound, statement. There's a huge challenge in there and um, because it does say to us that differences are normal. They are there. They are okay. Um and Audrey would say they are a very healthy element within our human interaction. Um, but when we create barriers or when barriers are, are presented that um create an inability to recognize, accept and celebrate those differences, then Fractures occur Um sometimes those barriers become barricades almost and conflict arises. Um, but I want to explore the word, right? And I want to look at um, this word and how do we come across it in our everyday lives? And it's normal in one sense, um, especially if you've got a teenager in your house like I do and, um, you know, Anyone around us, whether we're in work or we're in school, I'm, I'm sure we hear the word thrown around a fair bit. Uh, I hate doing homework. I hate me chores. I hate pineapple on pizza, which, you know, you'd be so mad if you hate pineapple on pizza. I hate broccoli. I hate... Musicals—that's a—that's a personal one for me. Um, or there's certain football teams that you hate. the The biggest rival of your of the team that you support, uh, you might hate that football team. You might hate commuting, which is no—I don't know anyone that loves commuting. Um, or there might be named individuals. And again, the president of the United States of America, I'm sure, is at the end of a sentence often where people start the sentence with "I hate." Donald Trump, um, so and it, it could be a, a named individual in your life that you're willing to put out there that you hate, um, and they, so at different levels, those expressed hatreds are kind of whimsical; they're kind of not based in any kind of meaningful depth, um, and in others, they, they might spark certain behaviors or certain characteristics within you when you're with a group of people or um, when that perceived or actual hatred um gets a chance to play out in in a scenario or a situation but i think what's important when we're looking at this concept of hate is to also recognize this and again lots of people uh, i'm sure have come across the pyramid of hate and how it kind of recognizes this journey um through certain stages that bring us to a point where we are capable as humans, of absolute mass destruction upon other humans. But for every kind of journey of where, um, every journey needs a start point. And in the Pyramid of Hate, the start point is just bias. It's that basic inclination toward one way of thinking. You know, you could have bias about where someone is from. And that's something I have in my own lived experience in Bray where when I was young, if you uh, named the housing estate that you were from, some people may have a bias um, because of that. And that bias comes from some stories they may have heard, some prejudice that's out there about people from that particular area. Um, you know, I would say there's also a bias against young people in general. That if some something bad happens and it's in the news... Locally, even than and young people are involved. Then there's a kind of a general bias, or young people with hoodies, <gasps> whoa, danger, watch out, uh, or young people who look a certain way. Um, so bias is this kind is the beginning of the pyramid of hate, um, and it's again when we are allow this inclination to become present and normalized, then bias uh, features. In our lives, I suppose. And then the, the next step up is that prejudice, that proper prejudice. And prejudice is kind of like an opinion that's not necessarily based on reason or experience, but more on stereotypes. And it's this kind of picking up a sense, um, having a view of someone um, that's really just based on a stereotype, a narrative that's out there about them. And that prejudice then comes alive within you. And we, we hear about that often when we might talk about somebody who is uh, of a certain colour and is sitting on the side of the street and is begging. And I guarantee you that every single person out there has heard a story about somebody... Uh, ...who's begging and then at the end of the day they stand up, they pick out a roll of money out of their pocket or a Mercedes comes along, they pick them up and they jump in the back and they're, you know, and they're off living. And that's that's something that then comes alive in our mind when, the next time we see someone in that scenario and our prejudice then plays out. Similarly, um, if we see someone um, who is of a different coloured skin and there is a prevailing story about those type, and that's out there in the community, and it's, there's, a, again, a narrative about that, not based on any reason um, or lived experience. Again, it might be about, or, or a certain type of people who are thieves, who rob all the time. And you may not have ever come across someone who does that, but somehow some way that prejudice has soaked into your mind and is alive there, and it's not something that you necessarily are super conscious of, but it certainly is there, like all Muslim people of Muslim faith are predisposed have a sympathetic view of terrorism, absolutely outrageous thought process but is there it's there and it seeps into the minds of people and their prejudice then comes alive and I suppose after prejudice and the pyramid of hate then we move to discrimination and that's about a way of treating people treating people differently because they belong to dot dot dot, they belong to a certain um, ethnic minority, they belong to a certain grouping in society, they belong to a group of people who live in a certain area and um, if we look at statistics about employment for example um, a certain name on a on a cv in bray perhaps might not get the same fair opportunity at a job than another name or if somebody has um a photo on their cv which is Something that we do nowadays, and again, you're trying to catch people's attention and be dynamic in in your attempts to get a job, but maybe if that photo has somebody wearing a certain type of headgear or a photo of someone with a different coloured skin, then uh, discrimination might play out there in terms of the employer deciding without looking any further or without considering any fair process in terms of employment opportunities, um, they discriminate um and that that's kind of um you know we would say that discrimination can um really be seen across our society in all the seats of power and again conscious unconscious but certainly there um you know we could look at it in terms of housing and particular supports and who gets um access to healthcare um so it's there and it's 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 a it's a uh, uh, this comfort zone for treating people differently because of an association they have with uh, some label in society that has a negative connotation, I suppose, about it. And, you know, in the pyramid of hate, then after discrimination, you move into the place of violence. And again, I don't need to explain or define, but if you think about, if you've seen any maybe clips on on Twitter or um YouTube, or if if somebody has been on a journey from bias through prejudice and discrimination and, you know, are very comfortable in their settled view uh, towards certain individuals, then violence is not a million miles away in terms of the behaviour that they're willing to perpetrate. Um, And within that then, you know, if you've got your bias and your prejudice sitting there solidly and the discrimination is comfortable for you then violence is justified in some people's minds that, that that it's not they don't have to necessarily really think and consider is this wrong or is 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 my motivation for this act of violence driven by hate of a person because um because they are different um and yeah we're seeing that now in our society we're seeing violence that is driven by hate um and you know the if if you're if we go back to the pyramid, the next one after violence, I suppose, as we probably many of us know, is genocide, and that's really just this intention to wipe out a whole race of people or a whole grouping uh, of human beings who somewhere someone has decided should not exist anymore. So that's at the peak of of the pyramid, and I think what's important. I guess is that we recognize that there's a journey of hate. I think for me that's that's really important because if we if we accept that, then we are maybe willing to take a responsibility for what we are going to do, because let's be honest you could you could we could all take a step back and think look at and wonder about where hate might exist in the home. You know, is hate transmitted from within the home? Is it transmitted by parents to children? Is it transmitted by attitudes that might feature when a certain news story comes on or when people are chatting over dinner um or is hate coming in through somebody's device in a in a house a child's device that is unchecked or, or not monitored um are they picking up some of this bias and prejudice? Uh, on certain YouTube channels or from certain influencers that are in their lives. Um, so hate can very much begin at home because if we look at the pyramid, the bias is something that can be really kind of nurtured in a very basic way. Um, and and it's dangerous then when it becomes normalised. And even, and you know, what we've seen in Ireland which is fascinating for me is that in the last few years we can see how a, a hate, a hatred that used to be there for the LGBT community, which was again a, an Ireland that had a, f- a deep-rooted fear, um, which manifested in hatred of, um, the LGBT community, and that's something that was very much normalised across the kind of mainstream society, and yet, um. We have transformed we're on a journey of transformation there whereby that's not acceptable and very much not normal anymore and I know there are generations of change um that are happening right now, but it's it's fascinating to see how it's there's a discomfort now um in terms of people expressing an a natural bias or prejudice taking the you know slagging people because of um or using words associated with lgbt for example as uh, derogatory terms um if you're if you're expressing anger or frustration at at another another person so that, so that now is not normal anymore um it's we're not there yet but i think we're on it we're on a journey a positive journey of change um and that's important to recognize because if we can show that we've done that as a society we can do that then we can absolutely do it again, I would say. Um, and I think there's this strong sense of um, us and them that creates this wedge where where hate can, again, be nurtured or fostered. And that's something that, again, we, we could look at communities and see people, oh, I hate the gardy, or I hate people from that estate up the road. Um, or there's this hatred of new people from outside um, obviously in my world people hate politicians comfortably <laughs> Um, they hate the council hate the government um, and then beyond that you have people who hate refugees and from that comes this hatred of ethnic minorities or hatred of people who have a, a different ethnic origin and if we go back to the pyramid then there's this prejudice that's opinion that's not based on reason or experience so all our refugees are coming here to take from us. Um, no sense or understanding of where they're coming from, why they had to move, what was the the backstory, and, and the reality of how different it is for so many different individuals. Um, and even to be so lazy that you'll turn, you know, someone who's here maybe seeking asylum um, and just throw them into the, just because their skin colour is different, throw them into the same big melting pot of, um, prejudice, um, which is just, yeah, lazy, 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 but it's there and it's real and, and people then find a rationale for why that's justified. And that's where it becomes dangerous because again, the bias becomes prejudice and then becomes discrimination. So they act on these views. And what's really, um, fascinating as well is that, um, if people the, some um studies that were done, I was I was really wondering, I had this thought about is is hate just emotive or is there brain work, is there thought in there, is there a cognitive element within it? Um and I, I came across this study um where they were sh- somebody who um had a very real hatred for another person in their life and they were studying the brain what was happening in the brain when they showed photographs and what was one thing that they did recognize is that um hate and love have are come from a similar place in in the mind but what they noticed and were surprised at was that when the individual looked at the photograph of the person that they had a very real hatred for the frontal lobe was sparked up so which which tells us that there is thought in there that there is a a very conscious dimension to hatred so there's a rationale playing out in the frontal lobe of your brain this logical part of your brain to say why so the why is is it wants to be in there and i guess that's really interesting for me now because then it gives a sense of these Um, movements in Ireland at the moment that are looking to influence people that are wrapped up in a sense of positivity about national identity and blah 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 but really hidden behind that is um, this hatred of others and hatred of those who don't fit uh, into our criteria for who should be here, who should benefit from being here um, and which identities are the one that, that should be accepted Um, And that's, again, so those movements are, they know that they have to play on the emotions to do the capturing, but then they also feed the rationale, they feed that in. And you'll see it, you know, if you look around social media, there's plenty of people out there willing to be on Twitter or Facebook and give their blah, blah, blah rationale for why we shouldn't have any uh, non-white people in Ireland or, you know, so... I think it's, it's really important that we recognize that this isn't just an emotive g- battle that there is um we need we um if we're on the side of decency and uh, equality um then we also have to have our thoughts and our rationale uh, very solid if we're going to try and change things um and I think you know the the when you strip it all away for me, there's there's what we're up against is those who have a comfort zone for dehumanizing others, and that's at the core of it. And for, you cannot spin it any other way. That if you think that somebody deserves less than somebody else, then um, if you think somebody deserves to be punished, or if you think it's okay for someone to drown in the Mediterranean just because of their situation, um, then you're dehumanizing them. You're saying that they as humans deserve less or deserve what they get or their circumstances are okay for you. Um, and that's, I think where the challenge for us, for me anyway, is kind of wondering where this hatred comes from. Um, and then kind of trying to recognise how it rises up in society um, and to notice the misinformation that's out there, because that's what's, that's what drives this emotive um, the capturing by the, certainly these organised groups. So misinformation is really important and, and it's kind of this misinformation stroke ignorance. It's very limited. Um, there is information being transmitted and there is this rationale, but it's really very, very limited and it's not broadly looking at the world at all um, and we also you know have to recognise that there's learned behaviour in there that hatred comes uh, with learned behaviour and that can be um, in terms of the you know there is act there's an act within hatred and that's you know when it travels from the mind to the mouth or when it travels from the mind to the fingers before you type uh, on whatever device you're working on or before you turn up to a rally or start shouting at someone or before you decide to uh, attack someone on a bus or at a Lewis stop. Um, and, you know, there is there is this element in there that's kind of put uh, out there as a solid rationale where someone might have a negative previous experience. So if you have a negative previous experience with somebody who might have a different skin colour, then the lazy mind or the fragile um, ability to rationalise that gives you the scope to fall into the trap of saying all of those people are like that. So if I've had a negative previous experience with, a, and it was said on Saturday with the with the young travellers, that if one traveller does one thing that seems to be bad, then all travellers have to suffer the stereotype that they're all like that. And again, like when you say it, when you hear yourself saying that out loud, that's absolute. Madness that if one, you know for every um, ethnic minority that does something bad in society, which yeah, if something is a crime, then that's we have a criminal justice system to deal with that. But you know, if uh, if I've had my my house broken into twice in my life um, by white Irish people, so I, but I don't hate white Irish people, or um, if I had a bad experience with somebody who has a a drugs issue, um, I don't hate everyone who has a drugs issue because that's ridiculous um and and i suppose again for people who need that to feed into their these values that are driven by um this perception that some people are worth more than others then yeah they'll go and look every negative experience and they'll elevate that into into a really really significant and important rationale for saying why other people shouldn't be allowed in Ireland, or why uh, rights should be um, restricted in order to keep us safe. Um, and, you know, I haven't mentioned it yet, but we are, well, it's obvious that social media has a part to play, because it's so prevailing now in our lives, um, that there, there is, and it's a sophisticated space for people who are very organised, and know how to channel hate, and how to tap into those who are maybe vulnerable uh, in terms of their um, their own scenario because <clears throat> the very, very serious truth of it all, when you when we're brave enough to kind of zoom out a little bit, is that ultimately, uh, hatred arises out of a need, a need that's not met. Um, and when your need is not met, um, then that sparks a certain feeling. So if I'm living in poverty and struggling to get on, and then I see. You know that makes me feel bad, and I'm, I, you know, society might be to blame, or I'm looking to for an outlet for this negative feeling, and then if some someone presents something to me, and you know this negative feeling you're having, here's who's to blame for that, these others, um, then yeah, you're you're vulnerable to that, to to, to latching onto that and accept, yeah, there's a target for me now, um, and I'm going to you know play it out, so really, you know, if we recognise that a lot of hatred um, comes out of needs that aren't met, then as a society, or maybe just as individuals, we can have the courage to say, well, what can I do about it then? Um, And that's really about the roles that we play, the opportunities that we have to do something about our society. And if we have... And, you know, I'm not going to play politics, but if our society is structured in a way where inequality um, is normalized, then you're going to have people out there who are suffering, struggling and looking for someone to blame for that. And the someone to blame um, might not be on their doorstep. So that's not convenient unless someone points to someone down the road or someone nearby who could be uh, a comfortable enough target for their for their angst, then maybe they'll play it out that way. Um, And there are people out there with that type of agenda. Um, And, you know, the ultimate challenge for each of us as individuals is, are we willing to have empathy and compassion when hatred arises? And are we willing to have empathy and compassion for both the perpetrator of the hatred, obviously, as well as the victim? of the hatred and are we willing to look inside ourselves and wonder about what our contribution could be to transforming hate um and that's probably the biggest challenge of all because well the truth of it is hate cannot be matched by hate it just can't that doesn't get us anywhere and there's a brilliant quote from James Baldwin, who's another phenomenal writer, and it, it's, it more or less says that, you know, that people cling to hate and they cling to it so much because if they, if they move away from hate, then they're going to have to deal with pain. And that's really at the, at the heart of it, is that if your needs are not being met, then on some level you're in pain. Um, and to face your pain and go and deal with it, yeah, is a struggle and it's not one that people kind of walk into willingly, I suppose. Um, But, you know, at the the political level then, we're talking about a country like Ireland that doesn't really have hate crime legislation. So, you know, at that level, we're not even taking on, and that's a level where it can be done, that that's not rocket science. Uh, And if data is telling us that hate crime type behaviour is prevalent now, then it's it's and and we know the gardaí are are looking at it in terms of their own training um and their own understanding um of that um, those drivers for a certain behaviour but then if politicians aren't putting legislation in place um then yeah we're not empowering the gardaí to be to take a positive role in how we deal with hate crimes in Ireland um and then on the on the other end of things yeah, we could, in the most simple sense, we could be. Um, there should be more Audrey Lord in primary schools that we need to support and facilitate, and and it happens. I see it around the country, but it needs to just be present in every single primary school in Ireland that we celebrate our differences, and that young people see that as the most normal thing in the world that they celebrate the differences around them in their in their classrooms, um. And I think that that's where if we commit to that while at the same time taking our responsibility as politicians, as lawmakers um, and as citizens, then I think that we could uh, pursue a journey of change that will transform our society. Full on. Well, thanks for listening in. Talk to you all soon.